0: Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and 1036 leading retail stores from coast to coast... Present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) This week's story The Case of the Accommodating Valise. Here we are again, about to step over Dr. Watson's well-worn threshold.
1: Yes, that doorstep has seen a good bit of coming and going since I first began my radio reminiscences of the great Sherlock Holmes. Uh,
0: how long ago was that, Dr. Watson?
1: Oh, just yesterday to an old codger like me, Mr. Harris. But I imagine you were still in knee pants at the time. It was uh, October 20th, 1930. Oh, well, I remember. Many of the experts said our adventures were a bit too dated to interest the present generation. Ah,
0: Little did they realize that Sherlock Holmes is indestructible, Doctor. It's not for nothing your stories have been translated into every printable language, Dr. Watson. It's not for nothing Sherlock Holmes has become the world's most famous fictional character. Fictional knife foot.
1: I suppose you're going to sit there and tell me I don't exist. Oh, good Lord, no, but after all, I've never actually met Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Oh, this modern generation... Seeing is believing. You know, I might fool you someday, Mr. Harris. You know, there are a few of the Sherlock Holmes adventures in which I do not figure. For the most part, they occurred before I had arrived at Baker Street to be Holmes' fellow lodger and Boswell. Yes, I sometimes must get Holmes to relate
2: these stories in person. Well, that
0: would be an event. Um, not that you're, you're not our favorite storyteller, Dr. Watson, but, well, actually, to meet the gentleman in the flesh, that is, I hope you understand, Doctor.
1: I mean, quite, uh... quite, quite. The doer outrates the teller. After all, what, what would I be without Sherlock Holmes? An obscure and not too successful medical, I'm afraid.
0: Ah, yes, but what would Sherlock Holmes be without you, Dr. Watson? A brilliant, yes, but unknown consulting detective.
1: Hmm, yes, possibly. But before you use up all that emollient lather on me, suppose you save a few glowing phrases for clipper clothes.
0: Emollient lather? Oh, yes, you mean soft soap. Well, I'll tell you what, Dr. Watson. There are two products you can sell the public without using soft soap, and I mean... Sherlock Holmes Adventures and Craft clothes.
1: Then I'm inclined to agree with you, Mr. Harris.
0: Yes, sir. Those are two times when we, seeing as believing guys, as you call us, Dr. Watson, we kind of go off the deep end, and for good reason. These days, forty to forty seven fifty for a truly well tailored suit, thirty three seventy five to forty dollars for fine looking tropicals, and twenty six fifty for luxurious sport jackets are mighty low prices. As soon as you see them, you'll know at once they're remarkably modest for Clippercraft's fine quality. Such value, despite rising costs of materials and manufacturing, makes Clippercraft a must if you're determined to get the most for your money. Without the unique Clippercraft plan, we couldn't bring these top drawer Clippercraft values to you. Because this plan concentrates the buying power of 1036 of the nation's finest independent stores from coast to coast. Providing steady year-round operation. Reducing manufacturing and distribution costs. Putting the savings in your pocket. All of this at your own friendly local store. The store you can trust. Simply compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Dr. Watson, suppose we get back to Baker Street and Mr. Sherlock Holmes.
1: Mm, yes. The adventure I am going to tell about began rather early, one springy spring morning. Holmes and I were dawdling over some excellent kiddies Mrs. Hudson had prepared for our breakfast. I had just poured my second cup of coffee and Holmes was about to fill his pipe from the dilapidated old Persian slipper he used in lieu of a tobacco pouch. <laughs>
2: The trouble with you, Watson, as I've so often remarked, is that you see, but you do not observe. Oh. Any intelligent person who contemplates his fellow man should be able to deduce his occupation, his habits, and previous history
1: after having observed his subject for 30 seconds. Oh, fiddle-faddle, you see a man, you make all sorts of wild guesses about his past and personality, and even if you guess right, what of it?
2: My dear Watson, the science of deduction, as I practice it, is not guesswork but a precise and accurate compilation and interpretation of minutiae that has unraveled many crimes and saved countless lives and reputations. Oh, bother. One of your
1: clients, Holmes. Why do they always have to try to pull the bell out by the roots? Because they're harassed, Watson.
2: People rarely consult Sherlock Holmes except in extremis. Yes, here he is. Watson, suppose you see what you can deduce from a first impression of the fellow. All
3: right. Come in, come in. Uh, Which of you gentlemen is Mr. Sherlock Holmes? Holmes.
2: The detective. I have that somewhat dubious honor. This is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. I do. Won't you come in? Uh, Thank you. Here, now, Uh, take this armchair. uh, You've uh, come to consult me, I gather. uh, That I have. In that case, make yourself comfortable. Uh, Won't you remove your hat?
3: Oh, uh, beg pardon. I'm that fashed. I clean forgot where I was at.
2: Well, Watson, what do you make of him?
1: Well, I should say... uh, Obviously, uh, late middle-aged, bald, past injured at the left leg or hip, which occasions a limp, and uh, the uh, thickness of his speech and the use of the word fasht indicate he's of Scottish origin. I am not. Born and brought up in Sussex, I was. Naturally.
2: The thickness of the speech is caused by a faulty upper plate. The use of the word "fashed" was picked up in his railroading days. In all probability, he was engineer on the run-up to Edinburgh. But now he's been promoted to a somewhat more sedentary position, still connected with the railway. Oh, incidentally, Watson, the limp is not due to a leg or hip injury, but to a rather painful corn on the little toe of the left foot. Uh, Am I right, Mr... uh, Uh, George Hogarth. And right you are, Mr. Holmes. In addition, Mr. Hogarth, you are a Freemason, you smoke a pipe, and you cut your nails with a pair of clippers that have seen better days. That's God's truth, Mr. Holmes.
3: But how in the name of all that's holy you found out? Well, oh, I... it's
1: all quite simple, Mr. Hogarth. Once Holmes elucidates, which he will now proceed to do. The damaged nail clippers I deduced from
2: the somewhat jagged outline of the nail edge. That's
3: right, sir. It's been like that ever since Nellie, uh, she's my wife, uh, pinched it to cut some picture wire to hang up her mother's picture. <laughs> See, the pipe is also self-evident when one contemplates the
2: somewhat charred and discolored forefinger on the right hand, which we used to tamp down the tobacco. The Freemason bit I gathered from the emblem on your watch chain.
3: Nay, that's not so remarkable, now you explain it. Uh, But uh, how did you know I used to be a railway engineer? From the peculiar slant of your shoulders and the way you hold your left arm, acquired
2: through years of leaning out of the cab of your engine to view the track ahead. Furthermore, the callosities of your right hand and the muscular development of the forearm are typical of a man who's held a throttle in his hand for many years. Furthermore, a railway engineer develops the habit of keeping his hat on to protect his hair from soot and grime. By the Lord, Harry,
3: you're right about that, Mr. Holmes.
2: And last but not least, I deduce the fact that you've not completely severed your connection with the railway from the tiny bits of railway soot which have settled on
3: your stiff white collar and cuffs. Right again. Uh, Just last year, they made me station master down at Waterloo Station. And it's sooty enough there, so I still keep my hat on, (laughs) in spite of the fact that it's a bowler and not too comfortable. As a matter of fact, Mr. Holmes, it's concerning what's going on at the station that I've come to consult you. Oh?
2: And what's going on? Trains off schedule? Wrecks?
3: Disorderly conduct on the platforms? If it was anything like that, me and the station police could handle it ourselves, Mr. Holmes. Oh, no, sir. There's been nothing that you could lay a finger on. Mm. And yet, every time one of the new deluxe boat trains comes in with a load of toffs from Southampton, somebody's luggage turns up missing. Mostly, it's a valise belonging to some rich American
1: lady with a fine mess of jewels in it. Well, surely it's not too difficult to keep track of the luggage that's taken off a station platform. Everyone has to go through the small gate at the
3: end. That's right, Dr. Watson. And no one's allowed on those platforms except in the passengers from the train and them that has platform tickets. And my porters and the police have been keeping an eye on them. You can bet your life. And yet, each time the boat train arrives, a valuable piece of luggage disappears, eh?
1: Vanishes, it does into thin air. Mm, sounds like a bit of legend, man. Eh, hey, Holmes? You don't suppose Mr. Houdini has taken to crime? Houdini? Who's he? Well, the American magician who's come over. They say he's come to consult that writer chap. What's his name? Uh, oh, yes, Arthur Conan Doyle.
2: Mr. Houdini and Mr. Doyle are both reputable gentlemen, Watson. In fact, there's some intimation that Doyle may be knighted for his literary activities. Oh, Falderall is no better than I am. That's as it may be. At the return of the robberies at Waterloo Station, Mr. Hogarth, objects do not vanish into thin air, even for Mr. Houdini. There must be some logical explanation of the phenomena. Tell me, have there been any other unusual occurrences at the time the thefts took place?
3: Well, that is nothing you could call unusual, Mr. Holmes. Uh, But the robberies always do seem to go along with a small commotion of some sort. Ah, I suspected as much. Go on. Well, uh, there was the ladies' Pekingese that got away. And another time, a steamer trunk got shoved off the platform. The porters just got it back before the 1040 from Plymouth came roaring in. And another time, an old codger fell and twisted his hip. They had to bring a wheelchair. And each time after the turmoil had subsided a valuable piece of luggage was missing yes sir hmm. and in spite of the fact that i had had the exit gate closed till things got under control no one got away with a piece of luggage that didn't belong to him i'd swear he just vanished into thin air hmm. interesting eh watson hmm. and uh, when do you expect
2: your next train load of jewel-bearing passengers from overseas mr hogarth
3: the equitania docked at southampton this morning early Uh, There's at least six American ladies aboard, sir, who are to be presented at court. I see. And you know what that means, Mr. Holmes. They'll be bringing enough jewels to outdazzle the Milky Way. The train's due in 37 minutes, sir. I have a cab waiting outside. What do you say, Watson?
2: Shall we see if we can discover the particular brand of abracadabra used in the disappearing act at Waterloo Station? Right, I'll get my revolver and my umbrella. Never mind the firearms, Watson. Just be sure you bring your wits along. Wits and a keen sense of observation will be indispensable in solving this puzzle, I fancy.
3: Now then, if you stand there, Mr. Holmes, you can get a view of the entire platform... The boat train is due any minute now. You're
2: sure all the porters who handle the luggage are reliable, Mr. Hogarth?
3: I have given orders, sir. Only the ones that have seen at least ten years' service are to be allowed on the platform today. And all of them will be checked as they come out the gate besides. Well,
1: what about the people who have come onto the platform to meet the train?
3: there are only four, Dr. Watson. We couldn't keep everyone off, I'm afraid. Uh, The fat gentleman with the top hat and the large bouquet of roses is a famous theatrical producer... He's meeting his new star, Miss Edna Levy, who's coming over from New York. Uh, the nervous young man with the monocle and the gold-headed king is the Honorable Cecil Hetherton. Uh, he's meeting his fiancée, a daughter of a Pittsburgh millionaire. Uh, and the lady with a tremendous doll and the box of chocolates is meeting her 11-year-old daughter uh, that she hasn't seen for two years. Why not? Well, the child's been visiting its father in America. It, it seems that parents are divorced. And then there's the imposing-looking gent in the Prince Albert, uh, carrying the Gladstone bag. He's come to meet his grandmother. It seems uh, she's over 80 and deaf for the post. Well, certainly nothing suspicious about any of those people, eh, Holmes? On the
2: contrary, my dear Watson, one of those four persons is extremely suspicious, for a reason which Mr. Hogarth has been good enough to point out. I did? <laughs> Blessed if I know what it was I said that... Never couldn't... mind, haven't time to discuss it now. Here comes the train. Keep your eyes open, Watson. If you notice anything unusual, anything at all, report it to me immediately.
1: The producer has located his star, the Threave, his fiance, and Mamma has discovered her offspring. But where in thunder is Grandma? That's what I was wondering. I have
3: two more pieces of cotton. I've seen her out in a green head box. No, no, leave the alligator bag there. I don't want to let that out of my sight.
1: I say, look, Holmes. That must be Grandma, the old lady coming along the platform in the checkered coat and the By Jove, she's carrying a parrot in a cage. Yes, her imposing grandson has just sighted the old girl. Here I am, Granny. Over here! You've him. He's waving the bird cage.
3: Ah, oh, ah! Hannibal!
1: Good, oh. good lord, the parrot has got loose! Hannibal! Oh, the beautiful Hannibal! Catch him, Freddy,
3: catch him! No, no, Granny, oh. don't get excited. Oh. We'll get your parrot for you. Oh, dear! You. Oh, dear, whatever should I do? Now, Granny, remember oh. your blood pressure. Yes, I'll Brady. just put you safe in the ladies' waiting room, then I'll come back and get Hannibal for you. Oh, yes, yes, you take care of her. Poor old woman! She looks so frail. And That's right, Granny. You come along with Freddy. Now, don't you worry. I'll come back and catch Hannibal. He won't get
2: away. Come along, Watson. We mustn't lose sight of them. W- lose sight of who? Granny with a birdcage and her grandson, Freddy, with a gladstone bag. Above all, we mustn't lose
1: sight of that gladstone bag. Holmes, oh, have you lost your <laughs> senses? Oh, it's my only reason
0: to leave It's been stolen. My emperor's in it. I've been robbed. Holmes, you heard booted.
2: that? It's a woman's been robbed. Naturally. I knew it two minutes ago. Let Hogarth take care of her. That's his job. Ours is to follow the grandmother and the man with the Gladstone bag.
1: He said he was taking her to the ladies' waiting room, and that's exactly what he's doing.
3: Now, you wait here, Granny. I'll be back as soon as I've caught Hannibal. It won't be a minute. Now, here, take my bag. No, sir, don't be long, Freddie. I won't. Th- take care of my bag now. Don't you, Fred? After her, Watson. Don't her around of your sight.
2: And above all, keep your eye on that Gladstone bag. Yes, but what about you? I'm going after Freddie. Oh, well,
1: you...
3: And where do you think you're going?
1: Well, I... uh, 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 That is a friend of mine just came in here. uh, An old lady with a parrot cage.
3: Well, you'll have to wait outside. This is the ladies' washroom. No gentleman permitted.
1: Yes, but but, uh, I mean a sergeant, you know, and all that sort of thing. I'm uh, Sherlock Holmes' assistant.
3: I don't care if you was the Prime Minister and the Archangel Gabriel all rolled into one. You'll not step into my washroom. Now, be a good chap and wait outside.
1: Yes, but what if I lose her in the crowd?
3: What crowd? She's the only one that's come in here this last half hour.
1: Well, what if she goes out some other way?
3: There ain't no other way. Now, you look here. I've been matron here for 15 years, and I've never had no trouble. But if you don't shut that door before I count three, I'll whistle for the police. One, two...
1: Well, now, look here, you... Oh, obstinate female. Oh, well, the old grandmother can't very well get out of the door without my seeing her. I... I'll just sit here on the bench and wait...
0: If clothing values finer than Clippercraft are obtainable, we've yet to see them, and we've done a lot of looking. You see, the whole idea behind Clippercraft is to concentrate, concentrate, concentrate on bringing you out of this world values. That's why we developed the famous plan that concentrates the buying power of 1036 of the nation's finest stores from coast to coast. You won't find anywhere such evident fine quality in suits for only 40 to 47.50. In beautifully styled tropicals at only thirty-three seventy-five to forty dollars. In handsome sport jackets at only twenty-six fifty. See them tomorrow at your favorite local store. For selling expensive clothes at inexpensive low prices at the nation's finest stores is the great big idea behind the Clippercraft plan. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store
2: in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, sport jackets, and tropicals. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th, and 67 Liberty Street. Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue.
0: Now back to Dr. Watson, who is still playing the patient watchdog outside of the ladies' waiting room at Waterloo Station. Forty-five minutes have passed before Holmes returns, looking rather disconcerted.
1: Oh, there you are, Holmes. I thought you'd forgotten all about me. What happened? Did Freddy catch the parrot? The blazes with a parrot.
2: I lost Freddy in the underground. He dodged down into the Bakerloo tube and boarded a train for Queen's Park. I was right on his heels. At Baker Street, he got out rather suddenly, and by sprinting, he managed to catch the metro. I wasn't more than two yards behind him, but the door slammed in my face. Oh, then you mean he he never even tried to recapture his grandmother's parrot? Certainly not. The parrot was merely the means by which the crowd's attention was diverted. So Freddie could annex the alligator bag containing Lady Margrave's rather famous emeralds.
1: Yes, but neither Freddie nor his grandmother were carrying an alligator bag as they came off the platform. She had an empty parrot cage and he had his own Gladstone bag. Exactly.
2: Lady Margrave's alligator bag was inside the Gladstone, which is an ingenious affair with a disappearing bottom and two clamps which catch and hold any object over which the Gladstone
1: bag's placed. Oh, you mean he, uh, he just put the Gladstone down over the alligator bag and walked off with it? If you would only learn to observe, Watson,
2: you would have noticed how much heavier the Gladstone was when Freddy left the railway platform than it was when he arrived.
1: Well, Holmes, it seems my turn to crow. Freddy may have eluded you, but his grandmother and the notorious Gladstone bag haven't managed to give me the slip. Oh, by the way, Watson, that is not his grandmother, Hmm? but his
2: lady friend, Flora the Flim. The what? Freddy is known as Freddy the Fop. They're two of the smoothest confidence operators in all Europe. You're quite sure Flora and the bag are still in the waiting room?
1: Oh, positive there's no one in there but the old lady when I interviewed the matron. And the old girl hasn't come out yet.
2: Has anyone else gone in?
1: Oh, I see what you mean. You you, you think she may have passed the loot on to someone else? Oh, no, no one else has gone in. Well, wait a moment someone else has come out though now you mention it oh my aunt my sacred aunt but it wasn't the old lady it was rather a flashy woman with red hair a wig watson wearing a purple greatcoat. coat granny's check coat turned inside out and a good 30 years younger than the old lady flora
2: had merely slipped her teeth back in flora and freddy are also famous quick change artists watson
1: yes but she was carrying an alligator bag that gladstone affair must be still in the waiting room watson old
2: boy the Gladstone is also collapsible This time, the Gladstone was inside the alligator bag, not vice versa.
1: Oh. Yes, but look here, Holmes. How was I supposed to know that 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 Auburn hussy would turn out to be Freddy's grandmother? My dear Watson,
2: you have a frog in a box. The frog represents the waiting room attendant, let us say. Oh, go on. Be allegorical. Into that box goes a caterpillar. The box is closed. Nothing else enters the box. Yes, yes. Continue. In due time, a butterfly emerges. The frog still remains. No matter how different the appearance, the butterfly must be the caterpillar that went into the box. It couldn't possibly be anything else.
1: Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, yes. Well, but look here, Holmes. Now what? Suppose the frog had eaten the caterpillar. Oh, let's go home to tea. Well, I... Yes, I suppose we may as well. We have rather bungled things. I, I don't suppose we'll ever catch up with Freddy and Flora now.
2: Oh, they'll be on hand for the next elegant boat train. In other disguises, of course. Yes, next time, I think we shall play the game their way and see what happens.
1: Confound it, Mr. Hogarth. The next boat train is overdue. And Holmes hasn't shown up yet. You're sure he said he'd meet you here, Dr. Watson, on the station platform? Oh, that's what his note said. Mrs. Hudson brought it to me with my eggs this morning. She said Holmes was up and away before she'd even had her early tea. I do wish he'd show
3: up. That big steel millionaire, Mr. Ramsgit McGregor, was on that boat. It's rumored he's bringing some pretty valuable papers along with him. It's got something to do with an invention of some sort that'll astound the world, they say. Uh, what'll they think of next?
1: Wireless central heating, illuminating gas. Aye, first thing you know, they'll be flying without wings. <laughs> Not in our lifetime, Mr. Hogarth. Well, I, I don't see anyone resembling Freddy waiting on the platform this time. Just that fat old man who's a good foot shorter and twice as big around. And the horsey-looking woman with the Gladstone bag. By Jove, you don't suppose... Freddie and Flora have reversed roles, and she's carrying the bag this time. I thought of that, Dr. Watson. but she
3: can't arrest anyone just because she's carrying a Gladstone bag. Why, there must be hundreds of them just like that going through Waterloo Station every day.
1: Yes, you're right, confounded. It doesn't look very heavy.
3: A woman that's as robust as that, and could carry the Nelson Monument and never feel the weight of
1: it. Hark, here she comes now. Yes, and no Sherlock Holmes.
3: Now keep your eye peeled for Mr. Remsgit McGregor. He's the one they'll be after this time if we give him the chance. Mr.
1: McGregor, now. Him with the cap and the muffler of Scottish plaid. Well, he's creating quite a commotion.
2: No, no, I don't want a porter. Leave my bags alone. My man Jones will carry them. I'll take this one myself. That's right, Jones. Put them down there. Yeah. now give me a cigar.
1: Now what's happened? Hello, a tall bearded man seems to be having trouble getting out of his compartment. He smashed the
3: glass. Get me
1: out of here. Get me out, confounded. Impatient old duck, eh, The guards unlocked the door for him. My bag. What's happened to my black bag? Good Lord, it's happened. McGregor's been robbed. We best go see if we can help him.
2: Hey, excuse me, ma'am. You're sure that gladstone belongs to you?
0: Certainly, my good man. I've had it for
2: years. Now, no offense, man. Just wanted to make sure. Wouldn't want anyone to get my bag by mistake. I'm uh, Ramsgate McGregor. And I've got a new kind of high explosive in my bag. Mm-hmm. I... Wouldn't want any stranger to go carrying it around. It's too liable to go off.
1: Why, I... I However, I...
2: if that bag belongs to you, I guess it's not dangerous. Just run along, that's a good girl, and get it out of my way. Well,
1: really, I've never been so insulted in my life. Uh, Scott.
2: Follow her, Watson.
3: Oh, Holmes! Great Scott, it's not Mr.
1: McGregor. I couldn't... Save it for... till later.
2: After her. Don't let her get out of your sight. I'll keep an eye on Freddie.
1: Come along, Hogarth. H- She's not going to give me the slip this time. Better motion some of your police to follow. Hey, they're right with us. Good Lord, look at that Gladstone bag. It's beginning to smoke. Laura started to panic. It'll blow up in her hand. Freddie, Freddie,
3: where are you? Flora, ride right away, you fool. Ride right away, Flora, before it explodes.
1: Yes,
2: I rather suspected the glass-smashing gentleman would turn out to be Freddie. You? You're not Mr.
1: McGregor? Who are you?
2: Allow me to present myself, madam. Sherlock Holmes, the detective. Sherlock Holmes? Who is almost as good at charades as you and your friend, Freddy the Fop. Oh, I don't
1: understand.
0: Have your that.
2: policemen take him away, Hogarth. I think you'll find Mr. McGregor's black bag inside the Gladstone. Take your hands off. It should be all the evidence you need. But great thunder, Holmes, look at it. It's about to explode. Calm yourself, Watson. The bag contains an innocuous little smoke smudge. The only thing it could possibly harm is a mosquito.
0: Well, that was an interesting adventure, Dr. Watson. It seems Holmes spotted Freddy almost the minute he laid eyes on him. Well, what was it that made him suspicious?
1: Well, the Gladstone bag, of course, Mr. Harris. It's rather unusual for a person meeting a train to carry luggage, don't you know?
0: Oh, of course. Why didn't I realize that in the first place?
1: Yes, that I, I was always saying that to Sherlock Holmes. But now suppose we give our listeners a hint about next week's adventure. Yes. Next week, I think I'll tell you a case that Holmes solved without stirring from his armchair. I propose to give you and our listeners all the facts and see if you can do the same.
0: Mm, That's a bit of a challenge, Dr. (laughs) Watson.
1: Yes. The case concerns a young lady who had two suitors, one of whom disappeared on the way to the church the day of their wedding. I call it a case of identity.
0: Of Clippercraft clothes and ten hundred and thirty-six leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Loughran, with special music by Albert Berman. Know your Clippercraft dealer. Write Clippercraft, Two Hundred Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in "The Case of Identity."
3: Looking for Quivercraft clothes? This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.